0: Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to The Backstage Show.
1: This week... On the Backstage Show is, uh, I guess, our Thanksgiving special. That's
0: right. That's coming up in a few days. So yes. what better way to celebrate than some, talking about some tasty treats?
1: More, well, maybe not, necessarily maybe not so tasty. Maybe so not tasty treats. Tasty. Yes. <laughs> treats or, yes. uh, I don't know. We, we did the treats or tricks a few weeks ago. This one is just food and stage food, food eaten on stage, food eaten backstage. Food, food and food, drink. food, food, food getting you prepped for Thanksgiving and overeating and all of that other wonderful stuff.
0: Yes, because I'm sure this conversation will be uh, really wetting your appetites for Thanksgiving.
1: Yes. Or if you prefer, maybe just wait until Thanksgiving to give yourself an excuse not to talk politics with your relatives. You can just go, oh, I have to listen to the backstage show. <laughs> <laughs> or if you haven't done that, if you did listen to it before Thanksgiving, maybe bring it with you on Thanksgiving and share it. Give thanks to us. For our tis, wonderful podcast, and share it with your friends giving. and family.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Give us some thanks.
0: Yeah, share us like a virus. <laughs> Which you might so, also get from your relatives at Thanksgiving, who knows?
1: Yes, well, let's hope the, the turkey is sufficiently cooked. 165 degrees, people. That's right. Yeah. So 40 that's, minutes to a uh, pound. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's food for your Thanksgiving, but we're going to be talking about food eaten. I, I guess mostly we're talking about
0: food on stage. Well, I suppose we're probably going to branch out generally talking about food in theater both on and off stage, perhaps.
1: Yeah, but we can start our discussion talking about things that are on stage that either may be real food or maybe fake food.
0: Okay. Well, if you have to put it in your mouth, I hope it's real of some kind.
1: I think I, I seem to remember one show where there was fake fruit on stage, and I don't remember if this was written into the script or done intentionally, or done accidentally, but I just remember somebody pulling a plastic grape off a bunch of grapes and popping it in their mouth. <laughs> and I can't remember if this was scripted or not.
0: Well, was it supposed to be fake food in the context of the show? And That's what I don't remember. And a piece of I, fake food into their mouth?
1: Yeah, I, I want to say this was in the script, and it was supposed to be this person was mistaking the fake
0: food for real food. Was it a local yeah. production? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was... It had to be probably either Barley Sheaf or Forge, given my history. That's the, the odds are in, in the favor of it one of, being one of those two theaters. <laughs> this, really, this wasn't written down in our notes. This just occurred to me as we were starting to talk about this. Hi, Glenn here. Pardon the interruption, but as I was editing this episode, I recalled the show. It was Lend Me a Tenor, and it is written into the script. We now return you to the episode.
0: At any rate, I would like to hope that most uh, food on stage that is actually intended to be eaten by the actors is real of some sort, even if it is not actually the food that it it is intended to represent.
1: Correct. I do think that most food that is intended to be eaten will be real food. There's occasionally stage food where it just needs to look like it's real food. That's usually when the fake stuff will come in.
0: Sure. It may be food that isn't really seen too well from the audience perspective, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter as long as they're putting something in their mouth and chewing and yeah, kind yeah. of carries the illusion.
1: Exactly. So for eating on stage, generally, real food, of course, but then there's the question of is it representational of something else? Is it
0: cold? Is it
1: warm? <laughs> is it
0: at all tasty? <laughs> I think it kind of depends on the circumstances of how, well, a couple different things. Mm-hmm. One, how easy is it to prepare in a way that would be authentic to the actual food that it's supposed to represent. Right. Two would be, what are the dietary restrictions of the person eating it? True. Three would be, to the extent that it does take extra time to prepare, to warm up, what have you, maybe a substitute might be put in its place that doesn't necessarily have to be warmed up. Okay. Possibly. Yeah, I mean,
1: I I would think anything anything that's got to be warmed is going to have to be tossed into a microwave. You're not getting anybody frying something downstairs or a full <laughs> oven or you know boiling fresh pasta or anything like that.
0: Well, there was this uh one Bruce Graham production where I think somebody was frying up scrapple downstairs. Really? No.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> I think I would have bought it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I I, I just I, it's certainly feasible to do something like that. Get a little portable burner and actually cook something. But who's going to do that?
0: Well, effort. <laughs> I can think of a good example, which we can talk about a little bit later. It wasn't exactly mm-hmm. cooking per se, but it was a form of heating up of food. I think yeah, you know what I'm talking about.
1: I do, but that was actually done on stage.
0: It was, yes. Yeah,
1: so that's, that's a little different, because if there's something that the script calls for you to cook or to prepare on stage, there's really no getting around that true but i don't i don't know at least i haven't come across very many shows where there's like you know a kitchen where you're cooking things
0: there's probably a good reason for that
1: yeah it it, it just adds another layer of complication that nobody's
0: going to want to deal with sure it's impractical it distracts the actors from acting there are many things that could go wrong with it it could mm-hmm. be a safety hazard for any number of reasons to have a not exactly permanent set set up to actually cook something, and unless you have a a grill or something on stage. (laughs) And then you got to worry about ventilation. (laughs) There's a lot of logistical issues having to do that. So I think most playwrights are smart enough to avoid that scenario. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think it just comes back to what is practical and palatable, both from a production and from the actor's standpoint.
1: I guess it depends also just how much of a diva your actors are being, if they're demanding that their pasta be heated or whatever.
0: Okay, well, you know, lukewarm pasta is probably something you can get away with fairly easily. Mm-hmm. But if, say, an actor is a vegetarian or vegan, yeah. and they're playing a character eating meat, they're probably not going to be too happy about actually eating meat. So yeah, that, you, need a you need substitute in that situation.
1: That's when you need something a little different you have to do. And, and you know, you were talking that's dietary restrictions if, I don't know, an actor keeps kosher or if there's an allergy.
0: Or is lactose intolerant or yeah. any number of things.
1: So that's got to be worked around, of course.
0: In general, I would say probably a good rule of thumb would be, probably practically speaking, if you can find things that look good enough to represent the food it's trying to represent and maybe don't need a lot of preparation, Mm -hmm. then that's probably the best route to take.
1: Sorry to interrupt yet again, but you're going to notice a slight difference in my audio off and on for the rest of this episode. While Skype was cooperating with us, my computer was not, therefore some of my audio was messed up and Jim had to use the Skype to fix things again. Now back to the episode. Absolutely. I mean, I I think if there's anything that does need to be prepared, it's going to have to be prepared in advance at the most that all you're going to be doing is heating. If it can't be just popped into a microwave and warmed up, then you're pretty much out of luck.
0: Yeah, and most theaters at least have some kind of a microwave available backstage. Yes, maybe some. If you're lucky, had a kitchen somewhere in the green room or something like that, and mm-hmm. maybe had a, a, a cooktop or something. But right,
1: right. I mean, I know we've about the like, extent of it. Yeah, a, a lot of times there'll be a cooktop that's just used for a set piece if something takes place in a kitchen, because there are definitely some shows that take place in a kitchen and need a stove there just for the look of it.
0: But to sure. have that
1: hooked up and working, most places don't have that. Well,
0: Village Players actually did have a. F- Did have a full kitchen uh, Mm -hmm. adjacent to the green room. However, I'm not sure that all of it is functional at this point. (laughs) Probably most of it isn't, other than the refrigerator. I think
1: Playcrafters, do they have a kitchen downstairs? They do, as a matter of fact, now
0: that you mention it, yes. Uh, So I kind of wonder if that's ever used for stuff. I'm sure it's used at least for heating stuff if that's done on I can't recall if it has a range, but it has a microwave and a refrigerator. Yeah.
1: That's the other issue with the microwave is most microwaves finish their cycle. And then you get a very loud ding. <laughs> so that can actually be an issue on stage if you can hear that.
0: True. Yeah. And
1: I know I, I can remember previous shows where the stage manager is heating something up that has to go on stage and they have to make a point of pulling the door open or, or hitting the stop button before that, that cycle finishes. So because that <laughs> ding could be heard on stage.
0: Well, just put it on for three minutes and one second and then pull yeah. the door at one second.
1: I don't know. <laughs> but if you're just a little bit off, you there's a be way around trouble. that. Yeah, there are ways around it, but that's something that
0: you have to keep in mind. Speaking of having a refrigerator, though, I suppose there might be circumstances where you want to keep things cold or maybe frozen if, say, you need to have ice. Yeah. Real ice for some reason, although there is fake ice. Yeah. I was.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. Plastic ice. Yeah.
0: Production I was just involved in used fake ice for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I know.
1: I've used real ice on stage for sure, but. I think that's just a matter of making sure that you have it
0: fresh every night. And well, that and the fact that it's going to melt over the course of the show too. So yeah, well, I mean, if you have it's a decent set in ice place bucket. and it's going to be there a while, then you have to make sure it stays reasonably cold and doesn't get baked under the lights.
1: I think that's pretty much just the better the ice bucket you've got, the the more frozen it's going to stay. And if you have, it should be full. Don't just <laughs> throw three. I you know, I need three ice cubes for the scene, so just put three ice cubes in the ice bucket. Yeah, just put that some dry ice in there. Yeah, well, we use that. Yeah. We use that, but for that Nobody, was for a stage uh, effect.
0: No, that was not intended to be a potable, at least.
1: No, no, it was not. <laughs> so, once you've got your food, you're bringing it out on stage, whether it's warm or cold or whatever it is, then you have sometimes you have to work out eating it.
0: Yeah, well, it's sort of a prop in a way. Uh, but it is also an important part of one's characterization in their delivery of their performance. So, yeah, it's yeah. I think most actors would probably prefer to have the opportunity to practice working with the food, getting the timing mm-hmm. down. It's like anything else. It's like choreography, working with any other prop. It's important yeah. for an actor to get the hang of that because if it is not sort of worked out in advance and maybe choreographed a little bit to dialogue, then you can have problems, as I, I've learned the hard way a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's the kind of thing. It also just makes it difficult because when you're dealing with food, you're dealing with an added expense that every time it gets eaten, you need to replace that so that the yes. production's usually not going to want you to rehearse as much with that as with other props.
0: Yeah, it's a consumable item. Now, for talking right, about a literally. box of Ritz crackers, I don't hopefully think it's going to break the budget compared to something a little bit more elaborate.
1: Well, no, you just buy one box of that and then just refill it with the uh, store brand. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yes. But from an actor's standpoint, you got to work out the process of, okay, are you going? when are you going to chew? Are you going to have opportunities to chew when you're listening to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Do you have to work the chewing into your delivery? Right. And are you going to have food in your mouth
1: when you're trying to deliver lines? Can you time it out? so that you have the opportunity to chew and swallow before delivering your line do you want to do something where your line is kind of held for a second while you're theatrically swallowing or something it's there's all sorts of different things different ways to work food into a scene and into a character that's
0: right a poignant swallow for emphasis yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean it's it's just kind of like take that as you will of,
0: out of context <laughs>
1: It's a matter of chewing versus your lines. I mean, do, is chewing going to enhance your lines? Is it going to interfere with your lines? How do you plan this out? And then how do you get it exactly the same every performance? Yeah, That's it's, kind of the trick, just, and that's where the choreography comes yeah, in. Yeah,
0: it's another action to try to work into the performance mm-hmm. and pre- hopefully prevent it from being distracting.
1: Yeah, that's that's the other thing. You don't want all of your food theatrics to upstage the other actors or to
0: upstage yourself. This is true. How about drinking?
1: Uh, drinking, that adds another layer of, uh, complication, I guess, because then you have to deal with not only the, I mean, you don't have the chewing, but you have the imbibing, you have the swallowing. And you <laughs> the poignant have swallowing? Spilling. <laughs> you have avoiding swallowing, did you say?
0: Poignant swallowing. Poignant
1: swallowing. Yeah, perhaps you do have poignant swallowing <laughs> with, with your beverage. And then of course there's, what is this beverage? And can you use that beverage on stage or does it need to be substituted?
0: True. And we... Mentioned in previous episode about substitutes for alcoholic beverages, but there could also be substitutes for things like a caffeinated beverage, like Mm -hmm. tea, for instance, or perhaps somebody can't have caffeine and they need a substitute for a caffeinated beverage. Or sometimes a caffeinated beverage is a substitute for an alcoholic beverage. It becomes a vicious cycle.
1: (laughs) It does. And there might be allergies to deal with in beverages as well. You don't know what, you know, fruit juices and that sort of thing. People can be allergic to that as well. True. Or or the lactose intolerance again.
0: Yeah, or maybe your safest bet is water with food coloring.
1: In certain circumstances, I think it is. That's usually—a lot of the alcoholic drinks will be substituted with water and food coloring. If not, you know, teas are pretty popular,
0: juices, that kind Tea, of Tea, apple juice, those are probably—ginger ale, maybe in some cases, I suppose, mm-hmm. but those would be the most common substitutes. And it's, then there's the risk with carbonated
1: drinks with are you building up the gas and you're going to burp in the middle <laughs> of your uh,
0: scene. Yeah, a poignant burp instead yeah, a of a poignant swallow. Maybe well, both. One moment, please. In I'm the going same to line. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> well, I've actually, I can recall at least once where there was a burp written into a script.
0: I was just thinking that, that probably there's a situation where you may need to have a burp and in which yeah. case the drinking might help with that.
1: I, I can't, yeah, I mean, it could. And I think that was the circumstance where they were drinking something and were supposed to burp on cue. And I don't remember... I, I can't recall if the actor that we had was
0: able to do that or not, but they were supposed to burp on cue. How well, some people can swallow air and just do that, but others yeah. require some help.
1: Yeah, others just can't do it with help
0: or without. It. <laughs> it's a skill. <laughs> I find, in general, that drinking comes up a lot more in plays than does eating.
1: I Yeah, I think you're right. I, it, it's fairly common. I know I've had to deal with that on several occasions. I haven't had to deal with eating as often, you know, as a director, that is. But it, it it's also, I think, a little bit simpler.
0: Sure. It's easier to substitute things. You don't have to worry so much about cooking or food mm-hmm. preparation with that. It's sort of a, depending on the scene that you're trying to convey, It it is it has more of a social element to it, perhaps than, yeah. well, I suppose eating can have a social element too, as well, but I think of that maybe in more of a family setting, like okay. the fa- a family dinner scene, for instance, whereas drinking could be with people who are more like acquaintances or out in a social gathering. It just seems like that comes up a lot more is more versatile, yeah, just easier to pull off too, in general.
1: I think it is. I mean, I've also seen professional and community theater productions where drinking is just done with empty glasses, empty cups, just completely mimed. Or I've seen it where they just substitute everything with water. Like, it's supposed to be red wine, but it's clearly just they're drinking water. And they're relying on that suspension of disbelief.
0: There is one thing you do have to be careful about with drinking, and that's spilling it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that that is the the added obstacle. You could spill food, too, I
0: suppose, but... Unless you're talking about a big plate of spaghetti, which maybe in certain situations you want that to make a mess. Now it's garbage. Exactly. It was Either food or drink could Zosodan. be spilled and make a mess.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, it happens. It does happen. And, you know, the stage manager runs out between scenes
0: and cleans it up. That's pretty much what happens. Assuming they have a chance to do that relatively soon, then it's not a slipping hazard for a while.
1: Yeah, that's true too. It's just, you know, you gotta deal with what happens.
0: And that's, that's why st- that's the case with anything. And that's a handy tip for stage manager. Have a mop and bucket available backstage in case you need it. Yeah, in d- case with, you have with food actors. related
1: shows, be prepared. <laughs> so that's on stage eating. Are we gonna be talking about
0: backstage eating too? What's the big deal about backstage eating, Glenn?
1: Well, that, that that's kind of one for your costumer that's usually the one who goes
0: <laughs> do not eat in
1: costume that's that's usually their one rule don't yeah, eat in costume
0: i i'm aware of that rule doesn't mean and i've always followed that rule but i'm aware of that rule
1: i find there's usually snacks in the green room and pretty much everybody's eating in costume at least munching on pretzels or whatever
0: i think one can be smart about the type of snacks that are available backstage for the actors yeah. that would avoid the situation of spilling
1: Chips and salsa is probably a no-no. <laughs>
0: uh, I would say dry, dry foods, dry goods.
1: Yeah, that, that that is reasonably safe. But you do, I mean, you need to exhibit some care, just like you'd be doing on stage, though. So it's not like you're going to do anything backstage that you wouldn't do on stage. And generally, you're probably going to be more careful backstage.
0: Well, you never know. <laughs> it depends, I, <laughs> I suppose, on the focus of your actors.
1: But then there's also the people who are—I uh, think this might occur more often in musicals, but I have seen it in uh, straight shows as well, where there's the actors that are always popping lozenges backstage.
0: Yeah, and I guess you're suggesting that maybe they are sucking on him when they come out on stage, or?
1: <laughs> well, I, I happen to know that there was an actor that did bring them on stage with him at times, and I think there was one performance where—I I think it was just he either— Figured it would be completely dissolved by the time the scene started, uh, you know, his part of the scene started or that he would just swallow it, which I think often he did. But I think at one point there was a little bit too much left and he just kind of turned and spit it off into a corner. <laughs> so that's like you need to you need to be careful with what you're doing and, and have things planned out well enough so that if you are doing the lozenges backstage that they're done before you go out.
0: Well, the same could be said of food that's eaten backstage that you make sure you chew it and swallow it before you come out. So you're not yeah. just, oh, oh sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> what, what scene are we in?
1: Well, even if you're just munching on your food when you get on stage, people are going to notice, like, hey, why is he walking on into this scene with his mouth full of food? And what it about, has to make sense. What about
0: gumshoers?
1: Has that ever come I, up? I was just thinking that. I'm sure there's got to be circumstances. Actually, I know there's circumstances. The first show, the show that we where we met, I, I, I believe that... The delivery man was chewing gum in a rehearsal. And oh, I went, Brian. I like that. Keep it. Yeah. Brian was chewing gum in a rehearsal. I said, you know what? The character should be chewing gum when he comes on, just because it worked for the character. Nice. I, I think if it's the kind of thing that can be worked into the character, worked into the scene, it's fine. But if you're just a gum chewer, just get rid of your gum before you go on stage <laughs> unless it's
0: prearranged. Yeah, and get rid of it in a hygienic way, please. Don't don't stick it under the... Uh, Coffee table in the middle of the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be bad. (laughs) So we touched on food allergies before. Do you think there's ever like an issue with severe food allergies in the audience? Because I know, aren't there some people that are so allergic to peanuts that they can't even really be in the
0: same room with them being eaten? I thought we mentioned that in a previous episode. Did we? I'm not familiar as much, I suppose, with extreme food allergies to that degree, if that could Mm -hmm. happen. That's a very good question.
1: Yeah. If anybody out there has any insights, knows a little bit more about food allergies, backstage.link, contact the show, let us know, because I'm I'm curious about that myself. I mean, would you have to, like, make an announcement in the uh, pre-show speech? Would you have to put it in the program? I've, I haven't come across a show where they're eating peanuts. So. It seems like
0: that would come up a lot more, though. I mean, that's a consideration, yeah. too, for what uh, snacks they have at the lobby,
1: yeah, that's um, or true too. Just in
0: general, out in public and restaurants too. So, I guess I'm not sure, but what? it would seem to be a pretty extreme circumstance for if if you are doing a play where, say, there are, the actors are eating peanuts, and there's mm-hmm. a possibility that somebody in the audience be, could become allergic or have an allergic reaction to it. I uh, have to check WebMD or the Mayo Clinic website. Yes. <laughs> So
1: should we get into our specific personal stories here?
0: Before we do that, I suppose yes. there's one other thing to mention, perhaps, with actors, say if they have lozenges, they may also have other drinks, tea, honey, whatever, what have you, that mm-hmm. they might need to help preserve their voice, Yes, to help maintain their voice in certain situations, especially if they're feeling under the weather. I have seen that as well. Uh, so that's another thing to be careful about, and it's a general... Thing that has to be maybe taken into consideration that the actors may need when it comes mm-hmm. showtime. that maybe some actors, depending on the time of year, some actors may be a little bit under the weather and may need to help preserve their voice. Or maybe, particularly in a musical, maybe that's just something they need to help keep their voice in shape. I don't know.
1: I've seen actors, uh, particularly in musicals, that do have, like, the tees and that sort of stuff backstage with them to kind of keep their voice in shape. I know there are specific throat coat tea, I think, is one. Throat uh, so coat are... tea. Throat coat. Not a sponsor. <laughs> but uh, it is a, a specific thing that's supposed to help with uh, the voice and that kind of thing. And, yeah, I, the bottom line is you need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself and maintain your voice and, and what have you. But, yes, they do need to be careful. And I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, this is what happens on these late-night Skype sessions. I, I I don't know what, what, what my final point there it's was. It's late
0: night yes. with a backstage show.
1: Yeah, well, the theme kind of fits a late-night show.
0: So. With the world's least dangerous band.
1: Yes. All right, <laughs> so moving on. Let, let's start talking about personal stories here. All right. So I have like a, just a list of a few things that kind of stood out to me with food or drink and shows. We've mentioned, I think most of these are that I directed, Picasso at the La Pana Gile. There was a lot of... I mean, it took place at a bar. So you don't say. Of, yes.
0: It was <laughs> and, a lot of alcohol. And now you're going to like tell me people were
1: drinking. Indeed they were. Wow. <laughs> so there were two things that stuck out to me with that. One of them was the logo that I designed for the show, which was uh, taken from the actual uh, bar, the La Panagile in Paris, which has a rabbit leaping out of a frying pan. I had the rabbit leaping out of, I guess, the logo or the wording or whatever, and the original, I think, is holding a tray of food in his hand. I had him holding a wine bottle because it takes place in a bar. When we tried to put posters up for that, this was performed at a middle school. They wouldn't let us do that.
0: High school, Glenn.
1: I, was it a high school? Yeah, I think we
0: okay. had this discussion before. We yeah, probably high have. School.
1: <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking it's middle school. So it was a high school. Regardless, <laughs> whatever it was, it was a school, and they didn't want the wine bottle depicted. So I actually had to alter the logo specifically for the posters that went up in the school. The other thing that stuck out to me with that was it was an early show that I directed, one of my first few, and I really wanted to get the alcohol to look just right. And I had this painstaking mix of teas and food coloring and getting the right fruit juices. Oh, my God. I I spent way too much time (laughs) getting these things to look. Well, no, you just take grape juice for red wine. It doesn't look right. You need the color altered a little bit.
0: What an alchemist.
1: uh, Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It was all alchemy. But yeah, it really this,
0: did look good. <laughs> and this was your second directing show, right? Yeah. <laughs> was it the second or third? I, I don't know. I'm just saying yeah. it was early. So it was very would early. Would you have today. gone to those extremes nowadays? I doubt no, it. No. No, I
1: would not. And, I, and I've had shows with alcohol in them before, and I've just been like, yeah, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> it's close enough. I so, have typically let the either the stage manager or producer or somebody else figure that part out. What looks good for what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I used to do everything myself. I, as I get further into my directing career, I leave more things to other people. Delegate? Yes. Good idea. Breaking legs was the next thing that I had written down. That was one that I acted in, and I played... Uh, I, I can't remember the name of the character, Tito something? I don't know. Regardless, I was supposed to be this Italian, and I was supposed to be uh, the muscle, <laughs> which was the joke. Uh, the joke was that I'm like I'm a relatively skinny guy, for those who don't know me. And this character ate through the entire show. I would (laughs) skip dinner and like every scene that I had, they were literally, they just kept bringing out plates and plates of food.
0: Was it anything good?
1: Mostly it was cold Italian food. They wanted me to eat calamari, which I really don't like. And I can't even imagine how bad cold calamari would be. So I think they they used tortellini because it kind of looks similar so I remember the tortellini. In terms okay. of the
0: general shape, maybe, but yeah. that's probably about it.
1: I I agree with you, but I, as long as I didn't have to eat calamari, I was happy. Okay, they were both well circular.
0: Yeah. Also, tortellini is probably a little bit easier to prepare.
1: I, exactly. I mean, that could just be served cold, whereas calamari I, I can't even. It's it's rubbery enough when it's well prepared.
0: <laughs> well, it could be al dente, then you have to. Yeah, <laughs> just be chewing on rubber the whole time.
1: <laughs> so what else? I have Dracula. Dracula had you were involved with that as well. There was one scene where Harker, I guess, Dracula is serving him dinner.
0: Yes, yeah, I and believe was when a, he first arrives at Dracula's castle, he gets this right. sumptuous feast. Right,
1: and he brings out a platter with an entire chicken, a roast chicken on, and all of this. And wasn't and part re- of the
0: gag that you weren't sure what it was that Dracula was going to serve him at first, or was I, that part of a been. previous gag in the play? I, I don't forget.
1: even, I don't even remember. Well, there was the whole I never drink wine. Yes. <laughs> but this was a whole roast chicken and if memory serves they used this same roast chicken for the entire run of the show he didn't actually had, eat it did he well he ate but they had like a piece of fresh chicken meat behind the whole roast chicken yeah okay Clever. so that it was like he was eating fresh stuff but the 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 whole chicken itself
0: was reused what about you didn't we didn't have uh, any of the impultada i don't know what that is <laughs> i i forget but he mentions it in the script, and actually was in the original novel, too. Really? As okay. a, uh, I guess, a Transylvanian regional specialty dish. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was Hungarian. It might have been Hungarian. I forget, but...
1: Hungarian, Romanian, one of the two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Impultata.
1: Okay. Yeah, I kind of remember that now that you're saying it.
0: Yeah, he makes but a I, comment I, I, that I he probably should looked get the it recipe for Mina, Yes. Which was also in the book.
1: I'll have to look because I know the uh, the cast gift from that show or one of the cast gifts, they gave me a recipe book. I'll have Did to see have if Did it have a recipe for impultata, impultata in it? You should it check. might have. In the Dracula cookbook that I was gifted, which was in fact titled Vampiric Vittles, not only is Impultada in the book, but it is the first recipe. Now back to the podcast. So another one that I was in was The Crucible, That really didn't have food. I mean, I think there was supposed to be some meal there, but all I did in that was drink. And they had this, you know, pewter tankard that just had water (laughs) in it because it's pewter and you can't see it. Yeah, you don't have
0: to see it. That's the best. Right.
1: However, the second week of shows, I picked up the water to take a drink of it. And as I'm tilting it into my mouth, I notice that there is a layer of mold at the top. They had not washed it. Ugh. So I basically had to, like, I I think I took a tiny, tiny sip of moldy water, but it, like, it smelled moldy. It was gross.
0: Well, that's right. It was probably authentic to 1692. Yeah,
1: but that's a tip for your stage managers. Clean out the dishes at the end of a performance.
0: That actually is a very good tip. Anything involving food, glasses, anything that mm-hmm. an actor is going to be putting, that's going to be containing something that the actor is going to put in their mouths, yeah, that has to absolutely be kept clean for every absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. even maybe in the middle of a show if it makes sense to do so.
1: Yeah, yeah, sometimes they'll do that. Another couple of quick ones there was uh, the odd couple where and there was a sandwich that I think people were sharing and there was this pickle that went back and forth. <laughs> yes, yeah, and they were the like first fighting over whole it? scene of
0: that, the card game, aren't they eating sandwiches yes. and playing cards? There's just
1: one sandwich, if I recall, and it gets shared or something. I I don't entirely—I think it's—the character I played, Vinny, I think, was eating the sandwich, and then he gives half of it to somebody else, and then they're fighting over the pickle. (laughs) And I remember in the Barley Sheaf production, the pickle ends up in the audience. But I think we've (laughs) talked about that. Wait a minute. Odd Couple.
0: So you you mentioned it earlier, but there's, of course, the famous scene where he takes a plate of spaghetti and throws it at the wall. Throws it in the wall, yeah, at the wall in the kitchen. How did that production do that?
1: garbage. They threw a plate of spaghetti off stage.
0: Okay, it was off stage. They,
1: well, they had it on stage and they threw it off.
0: Right, but you didn't actually. The audience didn't actually see it hit the wall. Correct. Okay. Correct.
1: But you know, they certainly could.
0: I'm trying to remember. I'm. I'm sure I've seen a production of Odd Couple. Maybe it was a female version. I was mm-hmm. trying. I have a vague recollection that it may have hit the wall, or you could see it hit the wall in whatever production I saw. But I could be misremembering that.
1: Yeah, I don't remember why they threw it off stage for Barley Sheaf, but I think that's just where the kitchen was. So makes sense. Yeah. Last one, accomplice. One of the many murders or attempted murders during this show is supposed to be somebody with, I guess, high blood pressure. So they're giving him some food and they're supposed to dump like a whole shaker full of salt in it while he's not looking. Mm -hmm. And the audience had to see this. So there was no way to fake it. So I just remember the actress had the shaker open and would pour it just in a particular area. And then she's supposed to feed him a bite, so some nights it would have quite a bit of salt Ugh. on it, but some nights it wouldn't. So, your stuff.
0: My stuff. Well, some of my stuff predates community theater, or my involvement in community theater. Mm-hmm. One of my more embarrassing moments involving food was the first show I did in high school, Rehearsal for Murder. There were some pastries. We were all sitting around, and people got to take up the pastries as they wished. I was chewing on it because I was playing a somewhat... I was playing a comic relief, somewhat of a portly character, believe it or not, again, and <laughs> I was chewing on the pastry. We only did two shows. This was the last show, the closing show, and I timed it poorly. I still had my mouth full when I was supposed to say a line. This is beginning to sound interesting, and I mumbled the line because I had food in my <laughs> mouth, and I started cracking myself up, and
1: yeah, <laughs> a little
0: embarrassing, but fortunately my grandmother, God bless her, thought it was part of the show.
1: Well, there you go. It's comic (laughs) relief anyway, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay, that's one. Brighton Beach Memoirs, the following year, has the whole scene involving the infamous dinner, as Eugene puts it. So the entire cast family is sitting around a dinner table. There's bowls of mashed potatoes, liver, onions, every such thing that this family would be eating at dinner. And that was the time I remember I mentioned the pass the button game, and somebody put the button by that point of the show in the mashed potatoes. Right. Fortunately, I had my back to the audience, so if I saw it and noticed it, nobody would be able to tell if I reacted to it. I don't remember actually touching a whole lot of the food for that, but I think it was at least warmed, so it was (laughs) (laughs) semi-potable.
1: How far back do they have to go for the pass the button story?
0: Oh, boy. Probably at least a season or two ago, honestly. I can't remember. Is that
1: the things go wrong? Maybe.
0: (laughs) Who knows? I'll start looking. I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out. You continue. Alright, I'll continue. Then in college I did a production of Everyman and I played the character Kindred, I believe it was, or cousin. Kindred. One of the two. Friends of okay. Everyman who end up betraying him. And my character was this kind of redneck character. So two interesting things. One, I had to I was I had mint dip kind of tucked in my lower lip. Fortunately it was not real tobacco. So there was that part of it. Not really food, but it was sort of edible. Mm-hmm. And then I also had to chew into a, a chicken wing and then fling it up in the air at one point. Well I came up with that part, but <laughs> so there was food there. And then for directing, uh we had being of sound mind, we had at the beginning of an act, we had a character who was eating breakfast at the beginning of the scene and had, I believe it was just pastry or a toast or donut or something like that. Nothing really elaborate. Mm-hmm. Most of the shows that I've been involved with in some capacity have more often had drinking attached to them than eating, generally speaking. I'm trying to think if
1: I've... I I haven't drank on stage that much. I I might have even almost eaten more often
0: than drank. I I know drinking has come up more often when I've directed, for sure. Well, after On the 23rd Floor, for instance, one scene I came out drinking a bottle of beer, not that it had real beer in it, but Mm -hmm. I would tend to say that just maybe the shows I've been involved with in general have more... Scenes like that with adults, a group of adults, and yeah. having a tendency to drink in a social setting.
1: Makes sense. All right, I might have found it here. If you uh go back to episode fifty eight <laughs> dealing with the unplanned, that might be where the last season. story is. Okay, the pass yes. the button
0: story. Yes. Uh I won't I won't spoil it <laughs> because it's already <laughs> been aired, but anyway. It's
1: it's already been spoiled. Yes.
0: <laughs> And lastly, for both of us, we have a rather prominent usage of food that we talked, yes. kind of hinted at earlier, and that was True West with True West the tons of toast that were prepared freshly on stage every night. Yeah.
1: So I know when we first rehearsed that, I I, I cannot remember how many toasters we had, like maybe eight to ten toasters, I think, and they all had to be plugged in. And I know we blew a circuit, uh, we we tripped a breaker, and we ended up having to have extension cords going all over the
0: theater. <laughs> I remember you telling me about that and warning me about that, and mm-hmm. thankfully, I think we only, only maybe had five or six toasters, but there were enough outlets spread around backstage on various circuits that, fortunately, we never had an electrical issue.
1: Yeah, I think everything in the theater itself, the the stage area, was all on the same circuit. Ah. I, I'm pretty sure the theater has been rewired entirely since that show. Okay. <laughs> So not an
0: issue anymore? Yeah, that was the Glenn, uh, the Glenn Reed Memorial electrical <laughs> system. <laughs> there you go. I don't know why I said memorial, then, but... Mm-hmm. So there's, that, there's the toast. There's also
1: coffee prepared on stage. I'm, I'm assuming you did that the same way, where it, it's actually brewed on
0: stage. I don't think we actually did that. I don't remember okay. how we handled the coffee.
1: But well, we had it brewed on stage, and that was we had to teach the actor how to make coffee, because he was not a coffee drinker and had no idea how to make coffee.
0: That's an interesting point. Learning skills yeah. associated with food.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's <laughs> you don't also normally well,
0: prepare for yourself.
1: Right. And then there's the, the, the scotch, I guess, and the beer that gets struck during that show.
0: That's true. Yep.
1: Now, did you have beers being opened on stage?
0: I believe we did. How did you handle that? That's a great question. Kevin, if you're listening to this, please write in and tell us <laughs> because I don't remember. Or maybe so- we didn't actually have him open it. Or- We might have worked it out where he has an open one, and then maybe in the middle of a scene or late in a scene, he opens another one but doesn't drink much from it. Mm -hmm. I forget.
1: We actually, here's my confession that I don't don't know that this has been out in public or anything yet, we actually had them opening beer, and they had a few sips of it on stage.
0: Well, with the opening of the can part of it, I, I don't know how you get around that unless you disguise the can... That's
1: pretty much what what I've seen. It's either disguise the can, or you get something that looks like a can of beer. You yeah. Can get like a, a non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beer, beer that, that looks
0: convincing. A can of seltzer water with a different label put on it. I don't yeah. know. That, that's a tough one.
1: But to me, this is like, you know, it had to be a cheap beer. It had to be, I, I think we went with Coors just because it, it looked right, and it just yeah, seemed it right. Yeah, we might have had in, Miller Lite or something. I... Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so that's what we ended up doing. <laughs> I think that about covers it. I think we've run out a little long here, but we'll, I'm sure, it'll be somewhere around a half hour here.
0: Hopefully, we've built up your appetites, whetted your appetites yes. for actual, real tasty food that hopefully you'll get to enjoy later <laughs> this week or today or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Indeed.
1: And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we would like to thank you very much for listening and subscribing and telling your friends about our show.
0: That's right. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please feel free to reach out to us at backstage.link. Or of course, you can also always leave
1: us a voicemail or a text message by calling 267-225-8869. And we might use you on a show. Use your message. (laughs) You You too can be featured in a podcast that's listened to by tens of people
0: (laughs) everybody's dream right
1: yes so I guess that about wraps it up next week I think we'll be uh, babbling randomly again
0: maybe so until then I'm Glenn and I'm Jim and thank you for joining us backstage so long thank you thank you thank you Glenn thank you thank you and thank you bye I'll do a bit of this, so I can look at that, and look at you. Looking at me, looking at okay. you. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome... And wel- <laughs> I don't remember, I thought we were an even-numbered episode, but I lost track of what we did last time.
1: Uh, hold on, I gotta look. Ah, that mouse isn't hooked up to that dumbass. <laughs> yeah, well, double dumbass on you. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, we! I, I just got an email. We're now available on Deezer. Ah. This week on the Backstage... <laughs> sorry. What were what you doing? But, huh?
0: What were you doing with your tongue, I, sir? I
1: don't know. That's it was, it was falling out. But if anybody remembers, go to backstage.link, click on Contact the Show and let me know, because I can't remember what this is. Rather than just was.
0: yelling at him from wherever you're listening to this from. Uh, you can do that,
1: too, but it, it won't <laughs> help much. Why is my brain not working?
0: Stupid brain.
1: Bird. Bird. Bird, bird is the word.
0: Bird, bird. Have the opportunity to... Have the opportunity to... Re- I always have trouble saying the word opportunity on this podcast. I swear to God. <laughs> and yet the opportunity keeps coming up. I know. Well, now's your opportunity to fix that problem. Okay. Don't point that finger at me. Yes, you couldn't see. Jim was just miming. <laughs> and no Marcel Marceau, Marceau but what do you want? It's a podcast. You can't see it anyway.
1: Well, then what was the point of doing it? Let's to just amuse stick to you, our real drinks. One of them was the logo. Excuse me. One of them was the logo that I designed for oh, the that show. that was weak. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because I think we're running long already. I think we started at like 25 after.
0: Well, we probably have to edit out at least a couple of minutes. Here well, yeah, absolutely, but I'm just saying, you know, don't... You want me to talk me really need... fast?
1: Okay, fine. Well, you don't have to talk super fast, but I... sometimes you go on quite a bit with <laughs> your stories. So I'm just letting you know that, you know, you need to kind of, yeah, yeah it's more like cut them, cut them a little shorter than usual.
0: All right. I don't,
1: I don't you know, you should have sufficient time to talk. I went through all of mine. You should be able to go through all of yours, just...
0: Don't don't meander all the details. Okay, fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know like uh, five guys, the uh, fast food place has uh, in shell peanuts that you can grab and eat while you're waiting for your burger or whatever. And they have signs like that say you can't don't remove them from the building. And they have like warning signs in the door so that people with, I guess, severe peanut allergies don't go in there.
0: I don't know. Uh, I I guess that's another thing to put in the program.
1: Yeah. But um, what is the other restaurant? Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. Similar thing. But I don't recall seeing any signs in there. So I don't know if that's an actual requirement or something that Five Guys has done or if it's just going to the extreme because they're scared of lawsuits. (laughs) I honestly don't know what the deal is with that.